0: This is KMTT Kimitsion Teize Torah. Welcome back. Today is Thursday, and our share on Thursday is a share in Sefer Mishlei. We're given by Rav Slomo Dov Rozen. Thank you for joining us for our second shiur on Mishlei, Proverbs. In this Shi'ur, we shall study the second poem of the first chapter of Mishle. It starts with the eighth verse and finishes with the nineteenth. The first two psukim are somewhat of an introduction. Then you have a long poem with a turn at the end, somewhat like a sonnet. In the light of the turn, we must understand the whole piece. Let us begin with the beginning of the poem, studying separately the first two lines. Shema b'ni musar avicha, va'artitosh torat imecha. This is a famous verse. Listen, my son, to the instruction, the teaching, the binding, the musar of your father, and do not forsake the Torah, of your mother two questions we shall ask firstly why is the instruction of the father presented in the positive listen to the instruction of your father but the teachings of the mother the Torah of the mother is presented in the negative do not forsake second question why is the word Torah teaching in the sense of showing the way related to the mother and the word Musar instruction in the sense of binding less so, related to the father Chazal in the Gemara in Tzachim Nun amudbet, khulim amudbet, various other places Connect the idea of Torah Mecha that you shall not forsake, not just to the Rabbanan commands, that is to say, commands that are not from the Torah originally, but our rabbis taught us, but even to Minhagim, as Rashi has it, even to Minhagamakom. That obligates one. The Raubag suggests that what we are told not to leave is the Hanhagah, the guidance of the mother. Torah in the sense of showing you the way. Presumably we are talking about a maturing youth, somebody leaving the home. The gendered elements, here and throughout Mishlei, we of course have to understand within a social setting, which might or might not still be correct, but if we want to understand it, we have to assume it. When the youth is leaving the home, he is told to listen to his father's instruction. The instruction about how to be careful now that he is leaving the home, and that's what this whole poem will be about. He is also told not to forsake those teachings of his mother that he grew up on. Basic teachings. Teachings about how to mature as a good person he is leaving the home but he must remember those teachings how he was brought up when he was a young child <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> so they are Livyat Chain Livyat Chain seems like some kind of ornament for the head something that comes together of chain, of grace, for the head, connected to the mind. The anakim legargrotecha and beads, or a necklace for your neck, for your throat. Both anakim, the parts of the necklace, and gargrotecha are in the plural suggesting that we are relating here to the parts of the throat, the parts of the neck. Interestingly, the head is in the singular, quite naturally, but the throat is in the plural, and so is the nature of the jewellery for the throat, the necklace. What can we make of this? Presumably, Pasuk Tetis relates to Pasuk Do not leave the instruction of your father... Sorry, listen to the instruction of your father. Do not leave the teachings of your mother. For they are an ornament for your head. The Vilma relates this to the concept of the mind. It's singular. The mind interconnects. is all one. Perhaps this is connected to the Musar of the father are the parts of the necklace, on the parts of the throat, relating to action, the various parts that make up your active life. And so the neck, according to this understanding, the way the Vilna understands it, is really another way of saying the body as opposed to the head, and the body breaks out into all the different actions you shall do the Musar and the Torah of your father and mother become on you ornaments both for your head, the mind, and for your actions. The explanation of Rabbein Yonah brings it out into how a person should express his Torah in the world. That the throat isn't necessarily related to the body as opposed to the mind, but to speech. And that the importance of ornaments and jewelry as a metaphor for wisdom or accompanying wisdom tries to teach us that the instruction of your father and the teachings of your mother should be something beautiful that helps the Torah that is within you become expressed in a beautiful manner in the world. Now, these two psukim are an opening to this first poem. The previous poem was an introduction to Michelet. The last line of it, as we saw, was really the beginning of the book. And so this poem opens with the command to listen to the instruction of your father and not to forsake the teachings of maturity that you learned from your mother in the home when you were younger. So what is this poem that receives such an opening? Pazukiot Tiyotet Bini, my son. chataim if sinners, or perhaps more correctly sins, seduce you. Like petty, we have already seen a petty is somebody easily seduced, easily fooled, naive. If they catch you, seduce you, Altove, do not give in. If they say to you, "Come with us, we shall lay an ambush for blood, we will hide ourselves, for someone clean, for somebody innocent, for no reason, This word chinam is going to be important, as Ne'erva and Nitzbana will be, and they shall be repeated later on. Nivla'im we shall swallow them like the grave alive in other words we will swallow them unlike the grave it will be like the grave in the sense of swallowing whole but they shall be alive, we shall catch them what's tmimim? tmimim has two meanings here, tmimim in the sense of that they are themselves naive and unaware of what's happening to them when we catch them also in the sense of being perhaps clean of any sin, like the word Naki, but also Tmimim in the sense of whole. We will catch them whole. Ki like those who fall into a pit. It is left unclear whether they intend to kill anyone, and that's very important for the allegory. Pasuk kol hon yakar min all great treasures we shall find, malev shalal. We will fill our homes with booty. Your koral. Fate. Lot. We shall have amongst us. We shall all have one pocket. Some of our shim understand that there is a contradiction within this verse and they're giving him a choice and this might be important also for the understanding for the idea that we get to at the end of this allegory you're given a choice either to take apart a portion or to share with everyone this is the beginning of the movement Bini, my son do not go with them on a way on any way it doesn't say keep your feet away from going along their paths perhaps even generally as Rabbi Yona points out because always their legs will cause them to run to do bad they shall rush to spill blood but just one second didn't we say previously they were intending to do so so perhaps they weren't what is going on here and here the beautiful ending. "Khinam zora For for no reason, chinam is the net spread, or perhaps strewn with seeds, be'ine in the eyes of all winged creatures that of course being caught. The but they to their blood lay in ambush it they hide to catch their souls. or so the ways of all those who go after gain at Nefesh the soul of its owner it shall take. Now The last few verses are completely unclear and seem to lend themselves to two or three or perhaps even more explanations. Perhaps they do have a few meanings simultaneously. Let's ask a few basic questions. If these badly behaved people were saying explicitly they intended to lie in ambush for blood, It's not much of an instruction of the father to inform his son that there is great danger in that they might actually do so. If his son is actually interested in spilling blood, it doesn't seem like his arguments against doing so are really to the point. You should put them slightly more directly. This is clearly a metaphor for something slightly wider about gain and about hanging out with the right kinds of people. The end seems to turn it into something slightly more philosophical about life. Let's start again. Do not go along with these dangerous people. They want to catch people alive. Do they want to kill? Perhaps not. Perhaps they are going simply for monetary gain. They think it's cheap and easy. But no, says the father, no, my son, that they will easily spill blood, although that was not their intention. Some commentaries understand so. They understand that the father is teaching his son that it is dangerous to go along with gangsters who simply think about stealing because actually they'll end up killing. Perhaps there might be another level as well. If we're talking about an allegory of monetary gain and the dangers that it includes in general behavior and as the rabbi Yona said, generally speaking, hanging out with the wrong types of people, if we concentrate on the last four verses, it might become clearer. Again, Pasuk Ted 16. Ki raglehem lara rutzu For their legs their feet shall run into bad and they will rush to spill blood. Ravsadya suggests that we should read these Psukim in a different order. They are actually ambushing their own blood however if you read the Psukim directly with Yud Zayin before that as they are written you have in between the Pesuk for, for no reason for free is the net spread out or strewn with a bait in the eyes of all winged creatures and then the Heim yeravu in the most literal explanation falls on the hunters the hunters are trying to catch the birds trying to kill them we then get to the last verse can also be read in a few ways so all the paths of those who go for monetary gain it shall take the life of its owner one explanation fitting most literally with the piece is there is a high chance you will kill the person you are stealing from. They are likely to kill the people, even though that might have not originally been their intention. I think that all these understandings are there, so that's there too. That might be intended, but of course, something else is intended. It's going to take the soul of the person who gets the money. Those who go after physical, monetary gain eventually will outdo themselves. And then, of course, if we turn back to the previous pasuk, the is no longer on the hunter catching the bird, but it is on the person catching himself. He is lying in ambush for his own blood. Yitzpetu, yitzpenu and if we ask ourselves, from where we learned that we learned them actually from Pasuk Zain, the previous one, Ki Chinam Harashet Beine Kol for freely, for no purpose, was the net drawn or spread out. If we go back to what we quoted two minutes ago from Rosh Gogh, he suggests that the psukim should be read in a different order. The correct way to read them are. 16, 18, then 17, then 19, they rush to do bad, but actually they're catching themselves. For no pu- then, Pasuk zayin. for no purpose is the net spread out, so are the ways, the paths of all those who go for monetary gain. If that is the meaning, and I think it probably is in a deeper sense, then why are the Pasukim written in the order they are written? And I think the answer is very simple by being written in this manner we understand the idea we are given Pasuk Yud Zain, the allegory of the bird being caught in a net before Pasuk Yud Chet what we are being taught is that Pasuk Yud Chet can be read on many levels the hunters are catching the birds you are catching yourself. That's Pasuk And Pasuk is, anybody would easily spill blood when he catches money. Actually, you're spilling your own blood. You're catching yourself. All these things are true. In other words, what we are telling you is that you are the hunter and you are catching yourself although it is true that you're also catching somebody else. And what strengthens this explanation and makes it so beautiful is the use of particular words in the ending of the poem that we used earlier with different meanings. (laughs) For... For no purpose, freely, is the net spread out. <shinan> for no purpose, for free. is actually the last word of Paskir right at the beginning of the poem. <shinan> we shall hide ourselves for somebody clean, for somebody innocent,. <shinan> for no reason for no reason there's no reason to attack him but also chinam it will be free it won't cost us anything it is chinam and we realize that the word chinam that was used at the beginning of the poem actually had this added meaning it won't cost us anything it doesn't cost us anything but it does because the bird who looks at the net doesn't see it he thinks it's there, for no reason. Two other words in pasuk aleph, right at the beginning, or repeated at the end: ne'elva ledam. We shall ambush blood, and the next term nitspina We shall hide ourselves. Ne'elva ledam is repeated in pasuk yudchet. Veheim ledamam yerovu, and they are ambushing their own blood. And now you understand completely the beauty of turning it round at the end. They say, we shall ambush blood. It doesn't matter what they meant at the beginning. We are now informed that they were 100% right. They were ambushing, but it was their own blood. They were ambushing. We shall hide ourselves to jump out and catch Yitzbenu le-nafshotan ends Pasuk they're actually doing it to themselves now let's first clarify what we are saying and then maybe slightly lighten the affair and try to understand why on earth the book opens with this poem which looks like it's teaching us not to attack people and kill people and rob them what deeper idea is being taught here but before we get to that point of asking the more positive question let us un- ask ourselves something else are we perhaps taught here how to read poetry are we taught here what a mashal is in the previous we discussed how the second half of the fifth verse is about the highest level of study of wisdom, of Mishle. Is the idea of getting tachbulot, the ability to understand, the ability to express yourself, the ability to delve deeper and deeper and understand the meaning of this allegorical poetry that teaches wisdom. Perhaps we are now taught how to do it. We are being trained. The father is training his son, not just in the ideas, but in the way to go about it. You think you are acting on the world. You use words like "khinam." It will be free. It will be easy. It won't cost me anything. It won't be for any purpose or of any danger. But actually the world acts on you because you are acting always on yourself. You never act on another. You act only on yourself. All the words used all the terms employed for your action upon the world are actually turned back upon yourself. And when you understand the allegory of the end of the poem properly, you understand that there is no hunter outside yourself. For you are catching yourself. You yourself are the hunter. If we go back to the first two verses, we understand that this is the instruction of the Father and the idea of not forsaking what you have been taught when you were younger in the home from your mother. Perhaps this is the ornament on your, on your head, around your neck, to go through life understanding these issues, both to do with action and to do with thought. On a more positive note, what is being said here? Don't kill? No. Know that when you get interested in the physical world, You are always acting on yourself. If anything happens to you, good or bad, it is simply the outcome of your actions. This is a motif that begins only here but lives throughout and gets stronger and stronger throughout Mishle. It appears at least three places in the first nine chapters, which is really the introduction to the book. And from Perak Yud, for several chapters, almost every other verse deals with this issue. That it is natural in the world. There are outcomes to actions. There are consequences which are deeply connected to the action you did. It is not something external being visited upon you necessarily. But it is the fruit of your action. And the concept of the fruit of our actions is of course something which will come up later and is mirrored in Yeshayal and at least in five or six places in Yirmiyahu. Miprim how does it come up in these first few chapters if you take a look just a few Pasukim later Pasuk Lamed Alas, the 31st Pasuk right towards the end of this chapter oh. and they shall eat from the fruits of their ways and become full take a look in towards the end pasuk Bet Avonotav Yilkudunot harasha the wicked person it is his sins that catch him that entrap him it is the sin itself which catches him this tells us something about Mishle and the kind of teaching it tries to give out to us it's going to be important also for the next Sheol in Mishle we are exposed To a direct consequence approach, a natural approach. Those who act correctly are not rewarded, those who act badly are not punished. But the consequences of your actions are automatically visited upon you, naturally. You don't need to be punished. As we see from Pericles onwards. There is also the punishment and reward that comes from outside. But you don't need to depend upon that. What your father is teaching you is that if you live life responsibly you receive the nature of your actions and the fruits of your actions back. The way this is being taught in this poem is that through rereading the whole poem after reading the end and understanding it, you get to an appreciation that ultimately it is yourself. You are acting upon yourself. It is not another who acts upon you. It is your sin itself, your interest in gain itself, which was from the start that which was entrapping you or in the more positive, whenever you act correctly on the world, act responsibly on the world, you are always acting upon yourself. You never act on another. You always only act upon yourself. Here we relate to physical gain, which is your relationship to the world. Very little to desires. Desires will come next. The most basic level is to understand that even before you get to moral questions of desire, you have the most basic question of what does it mean to act upon the world? The answer is that there is no world outside you that you're acting upon. You always act upon yourself. כי חינם זורה הרשת בעיני כל בעל כנף, והם לדמם ירובו יצפנו לנרשותם. כנוחות כל בוצע בצע, את נפש בעליו יקח. The money takes the life of the owner. Or perhaps, going one stage further, you take your own life. In a more positive term, You always take your life into your hands, in everything you do, because every act upon another, upon the world outside, is ultimately a way of acting upon yourself, and you choose your destiny.